Hey, I'm more live. That's the sound of a 360-degree barbell brush by Hybrid Athletics. Good morning. Hey, David. Good morning. Let me fix my earphones here. Ah, there you are. Thanks for coming on, man. You bet. Looking forward to it today. Holy cow. David Rush. If you have not been to the David Rush YouTube channel, you should go there now and you should go there with your kids. I've been having a blast with you, buddy. You are a man on a mission. Are you still on that mission? You know, I, I haven't given up yet. I'm still going after some more records. Are you the... Um, in, in one of the videos in 2021, I heard you say that you might be the third most Guinness records in the book for an individual. Do you know where you rank amongst that? And did I hear that correctly? I, I believe so, yeah. Guinness doesn't track this anymore. They don't award a record for the most records, so it's not to be self-referential. But they, but they, I do have a way to look up how many records each person currently holds. And I'm currently number three on that list, uh, which currently held records. That means I've broken them. They've been approved by goodness, and nobody else has broken them. It's about 110. Uh, uh, but you've held as many as 200? I've broken over 200 records. Some of those I've rebroken or some of them I've lost. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, uh, I, I, I know you're from, from, from your site, uh, you are a gentleman. You seem to care a lot about kids. So I apologize for my crass language, but that seems like complete horseshit that they don't track the person who has the most records. That's, that's insanity to me. <laughs> well, they know it. Um, but they don't award a Guinness world record for the most Guinness world records. So as not to be self-referential. As if, sorry, and now we're about to go down a rabbit hole. As opposed to, and why would be? I, I was thinking that they didn't want to do it because they didn't. They thought maybe it would be dangerous to encourage that. But but what do they mean, self-referential? Like who cares? So referencing like, themselves. Yeah, I why mean, not? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, there's got to. Well, I guess then you could just it could just be endless. You could be like, well, the book that has the most that the documents the most world records is the Guinness Book of World Records. I guess maybe there's no end to it. I don't know. Yeah, Seems odd to me. I really like I really like that as a record. Yeah. The other the other issue is not all records are made equal. I mean, I've made broken 200 world records, but there might be one record that one person broke that's more impressive than all the ones I broke and put together. All right. All right. All right. I won't I won't beat a dead horse. Maybe I'll circle back to it. Hey. uh What's interesting is I had a um, I've had a whole this show's had a whole variety of people on it and yesterday we um, had Patrick Bet David on it he is a, um, a businessman entrepreneur and I was reading his book um, your next five moves but I think one of the things that I remember seeing in the book is is that if if a, if someone has a reason for doing something they have endless energy and you and, and not only do you have and and I uh, this may be um, Well, we'll find out if you push back, but not only do you have a reason, but you have a chip on your shoulder from the second grade chip on your shoulder might be a little bit strong, but you had something happen to you in the second grade. Um, and, and also now you have a reason, a very noble reason. Can you talk about that, about, about breaking your records? Yeah, for sure. So I break these records to promote STEM education, science, technology, engineering, math. And, and the reason we need that is, is those are the, you know, Glassdoor published a couple of weeks ago that the number one job in America and 24 out of the top 50 require STEM degrees. These are the jobs that they pay the best, that they're the hardest to fill. They give you the most work-life balance, the most flexibility. And the problem is there's just a shortage of people going into those fields. 
And one of the problems is the STEM subjects are hard, math, science, engineering, and a student will fail a math test or struggle at science. And they'll have this fixed mindset that says, you know, I'm not a math person. I could never become an engineer. And uh, Stanford psychologist Carol Dweck talks about this in a book called Mindset. And you can either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And in a fixed mindset, you're born with talent, skills, and ability innate to you. And all you have to do is discover how good you are at those things. Like you take a test or you have somebody tell you, you try it out. And you say, I'm good at this or I'm not. And if you're not good at it, don't try it because you're not ever going to be good at it. But in a growth mindset, is this idea that you can become better at anything with no hard upper limit. And so this is what I'm espousing, this growth mindset um, and showing with a tangible example that if you set your mind to a goal, believe in yourself and pursue it with passion, you can accomplish virtually anything. And in second grade, I tried out for the gifted program in school. I took a test. I, I didn't get in. I wasn't smart enough. Does that mean I couldn't become smart if I tried hard? Well, I kept trying. And by fifth grade, I did get in, but just for math. Does that mean I couldn't be good at science or history, language or literature? Well, I kept working hard. And by the time I graduated from high school, I was admitted into MIT where I got my electrical engineering degree. And so I had this progression of being not smart enough to get into the gifted program in the public education system in Idaho to going to the top engineering school in the world. And how did that happen? It was It's because I believed I could get better. And I tell you, if I'd have believed in second grade when I took that test that I wasn't smart, I can guarantee you I wouldn't have gotten into MIT. But I didn't, you, I didn't let that test define me to saying I can't do those things. I just kept working hard through it. And I'm 37 years old. And what if I told you the day I turned, and I and I have told you I've hold over, or I've broken over 200 Guinness World Records. Um, and what if I told you the day I turned 30, I had zero world records. And how what old age? are you now? You're th- how old I'm are you now? 37. 37. Crazy. And it, it, at the age of 30 is when I started breaking. What changed? It's not like I developed some sort of superhuman strength or ability at the age of 30. It's I developed this growth mindset. Um, and it's also not that I just decided I wanted to break the Guinness World Record at that point, too, because I dreamed about this since I was a kid. I mean, that was like the pinnacle. That would be so cool if I could break a Guinness World Record. And I even gave it, you know, a half try for a few records when I was a kid. And I was like, you know, those people have something I don't. There's no way I could ever break a record. Which but records did this- you try as a kid? Which records did you try or did you consider trying? Yeah. So one of them was I like saw fattest that record- guy, fattest guy in the world, <laughs> heaviest guy in the world. One of my saw was like the most uh, glasses balanced on the chin. They got these tiny oh. glasses balanced to the chin. And I'm like, I oh, decent at balance. So what I did is I took my parents, you know, eight foot roll from the carpet. Uh-huh. You know, they, you know they, the carpet roll, the cardboard roll. So I'm putting this cardboard tube in my chin, trying to balance it on my chin. I could, I just was able to keep it there for a few seconds. And I'm like, man, the glasses are going to be harder. It's going to be too hard. I'm just going to give up now. But what I've done since, you know, I'm a juggler. And in college, I decided, you know, I'm going to add balancing to my repertoire. And I started balancing things on my chin. And now I hold the record for, you know, longest duration balancing a lawnmower on my chin or the furthest distance walked with a chainsaw on my chin, those sorts of things. Um, but that all happened because I had this growth mindset. Uh, what was the name of the book the, or the, the author of the book and the name Carol something you said? Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. And the book is Mindset, and it's a um, – You recommend a, it? A, oh, I highly recommend it. I mean it's got over a million copies sold about the psychology of having a growth mindset, not positioning yourself as I can't remember names or I'm not a people person. I can't do sales. I'm not a dancer. I can't draw. I, I can't do math. I can't become an engineer. If you have that, that's called what's called a fixed mindset. And there's all sorts of research in this book that talks about not only can anybody can become better at anything, 
but just believing you can become better at something dramatically increases the rate at which you get better at that something. Let's get a, um, one of my favorite lines in the entire world uh, and one of my favorite topics in the whole world is a, a statement by a gentleman uh, by the name of Lao Tzu. He wrote the Tao Te Ching. And he said, if you argue your limitations, they're yours. And you know what's fascinating about what you're saying? Not You can really – not only can you um, – um, uh, it's interesting to call it a growth mindset because you could convince yourself to be the person who's least capable in the world too. That's how strong the mind is. There is no homeostasis in what you're saying. If you say – it's not you, – you, it's not like you're just like, hey, I'm just – I'm, I'm just nothing. You're either shitty or you're good. It, it, it's it's really so. So why would you ever choose shitty? Why would you ever choose a limiting mindset ever when there's 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 no middle road? Do you feel that. what I'm saying? It's fat. Yeah, it's no, fascinating I, what you're saying. I'm really like when I heard it the first few times. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard this a thousand times. But as we delve deeper into it, like this is the problem with humanity. If this is the problem with our leaders, no one should be arguing any you should not be arguing your own limitations as a human being and no one should be arguing them for you you don't want to be around people who are arguing your limitations for you i have a wife and a mom and a sister i, I don't it's just interesting that it's those three it's three women but um who believed in me who always believe in me who call me text me love on me every single day and tell me how great i am and what i'm doing is good and they give me constructive criticism too Half the podcast, my mom says she has to turn off because of my big mouth. But the other half, she's like, "Man, you're really doing it." Yeah, no, that's awesome. And and it and it's not necessarily a new idea, but what Greg brought into it is putting this name on it, mindset, and then gathering the research to show it scientifically. And, and, and but but on the flip side. It's the same thing that um, uh, Matt Fraser, the fittest man in the world, he hung his second place. Tr he hated his second place trophy when he first took second place, but he ended up keeping it. And that's the one he hung most prominent in his gym mm -hmm. so he can remember how much that sucked to get second place. Uh, Patrick Bed David, people, he, he, he got 880 on the uh, SAT and a 1.8 GPA. And he, 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 he used that, um, I can't do anything as fuel and you also have it you have this second grade experience do you really remember that yeah no i remember taking that test I, one of the most vivid memories i had it was it was i can tell you it was at my grade school in the modular building back right go up the little ramp to get in and there was a gal that was given the test and one of the tests was a puzzle it was like an eight piece puzzle eight piece puzzle of a soccer ball and it was i remember I had like curved edges and lined edges and i loved soccer and i just puzzled me eight pieces and i'm staring at and i couldn't put it together I was so mad at myself. I was like, I, I love soccer. This is only an eight P puzzle. This should be so easy. I couldn't do it. And so absolutely. I remember that test. Do you think that you couldn't do it because you froze under pressure? Like, were you like, man, like I, it's like, I remember taking a spelling bee in like the third grade and the teacher asked me how to spell wood and she used it in a sentence and I spelt the wrong wood. I spelled W O O D instead of W O U L D. And, and the whole time I'm spelling it, I knew I was spelling it wrong. I was choosing the wrong wood and yet I just did it anyway. I'm like, was it like yeah, that? No. No, not at all. In fact, I um, the reason I wasn't couldn't do it is because I'd never practiced it. It was a new type of puzzle I hadn't been exposed to before, and and this happens all the time when I'm trying to break a new record in a different category. If I, when I try something out, I'm often terrible at it. I'm nowhere even close. Like uh, for example, the first time I went to practice, the fastest time to pop three balloons with a nail blindfolded, uh, or with my head blindfolded. So I'm wearing a blindfold. I got a little nail attached to my head. I'm trying to pop three balloons. I'm out there in the garage. I set it up and the record is something like four seconds. 
and I'm out there with a blindfold on, swinging my head back and forth like this. <laughs> and my wife walks out. She's laughing at me hysterically. It took me like 45 seconds, and I only popped one of the balloons. And this is what happens all the time when we try something new. We try to take a layup or we you know, take a test, and we're, we're under this situation where people can see us fail. And like, well, when you fail, you're like, I don't want to try that anymore because that hurt. That experience wasn't good. I got made fun of. I don't want to put myself out there. But if you, again, approach this with a growth mindset, this is something I can get better at. I went on and broke that record in, you know, I don't know, a second. I broke all three balloons, took the record. But if I had given up on that first try, I would have had no idea what I was doing because I'd never practiced it. I hadn't been exposed to that before. Um, now, I, you know, if you practice puzzles, you get better at doing puzzles. If you practice balloons, you get better at popping balloons. If you practice math, you can get better at math. And there, there are ways you can make your practice more effective, like, you know, getting help when you get stuck. Um, trying, you know, having somebody that's done it before repetition. And then when I'm practicing like, um, physical acting, athletic things like juggling or balancing, um, deliberate feedback is important. That idea of like measuring what you're doing, get it on video, get timing for how long it takes. If it's a timed record and then get that immediate feedback to understand is what I did helpful or not helpful. Um, you, I had this, I had this experience all through growing up, uh, when they would pick teams in PE, um, there'd be two co there'd be two, you know, the PE teacher would be like, you know, in the eighth grade PE teacher would be like, okay, David, you're a picker, you're a team captain. And Joe, you're a team captain. And all the guys would get picked and then some girls would start getting picked. And then I would get picked. And I was always like the, not only the last guy, but some girls would get picked. And, um, was it similar like that for you too? You, like you couldn't catch a ball. Like you, you were the, and, and I, I actually, I didn't mind it for some reason. I was like, cool with it. Like I never had, it never made me, um, I, I didn't care for, I don't know why yeah. I should have cared. I should have like gone and hid in a hole, but I actually thought it was funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you, did you have something like that going on? Cause I heard you say that you didn't know how to catch. And that's one of the reasons why you chose juggling was to be like, okay, I'm going to prove that not, I can't catch a ball for, to save my life, but I'm going to become the world's greatest juggler. Yeah, so there was a, a couple things there, and I'll clarify the world's greatest jugglers. I'm certainly not that, but I am the world's okay. Fastest. My words, my words. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. no. so <laughs> so in in grade school, there was you know I had an older brother who's one year older than me, but also had a different uh, chemistry makeup in his body. He was loaded with testosterone. He was shaven by grade seven or six. He, he <laughs> won best arms best arms in school in the yearbook because his biceps were absolutely sculpted, and he never lifted weights a day in his life. And he was really active and built stuff and, you know, lifted everyday things, but never lifted weights. But he was phenomenally, phenomenal athlete, won the city wrestling meet, you know, fastest hundred meter dash in junior high, um, set the school record in junior high for fastest mile. So I grew up under that shadow of being like, I was, I was probably more like an average athlete. He was phenomenal. But then when I was playing football at school, we'd have, you know, the picking teams, and, you know, when I was playing with, you know, the nerds, I was okay. But when I was playing with the kids that actually played football, the ones that practiced it, that had spent time on it, I would get picked last because they throw the football and I get so nervous, I drop it. And, and so I was often picked last at grade school, uh, at recess for playing flag fo or two-hand touch football because I'd always drop the ball. But I've gone on now to become the world's fastest juggler. I can get the most juggling catches in one minute with three balls. Um, and that's, a, that's another interesting story. Cause when I first tried that record, uh, it's after I'd broken a couple, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this. And I, I got my baseline. How fast am I? And then I practiced some more and then I practiced for a week maybe. And I didn't really get any better. And I'm like, who am I kidding? There's thousands of professional jugglers out there that are way better juggling than I am. There's no way I could ever set this record. 
And at the time, it was 422 catches in a minute. It's uh, just over seven catches per second. And so I, I put it on the shelf for a while. But after I'd broken, you know, five, six, seven records, I realized, you know, why don't I approach this with a growth mindset? This idea that I can become the fastest juggler in the world. There's nothing stopping me. There's no hard upper limit. And so I started practicing deliberately, getting immediate feedback over a period of time. And, and a funny thing happened is when I practiced, I got better. And when I believed I was going to break the record, I got better even faster. And the more confidence I got, the more I practiced, which means I got better faster. And um, in 2016, I ended up breaking the record of 428 catches in one minute. And so I was the world's fastest juggler. And I was like, wow, this is so awesome. And a few months later, someone else broke the record at 502 catches in a minute. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, man. And do you know who this guy is? Like, are you guys email friends or, or internet friends? Not that guy. Okay. But at that point, I'm like, I'm not going to give this up. And it was actually, it's, I you can floss your to... teeth while you're on the show, by the way. Don't let this show is, we are free. I don't know here. Why I you do what you want to do. I want to see you do, you'd be the first, but it'd be awesome if you did it. <laughs> I've got all sorts of stuff. So I got my, uh, I got my uh, arm exercises with these chopsticks, the strength in my hands while I'm sitting here. I got the juggling nice. balls sitting here. I just got random things. But I um, so I, I go back to practice for world's fastest juggling. And this time I got 556 catches in a minute. It's like nine catches a second. It's crazy. When I thought seven was impossible. And you know what happened? Another guy broke the record, Michael Ferrari, um, out of, I think, Spain. And he is one of the world's greatest jugglers. He's one of the few that juggled 10 balls in a performance. I do know him. We chat back and forth. He broke my record, 558 catches a minute. And so I had to go back and practice again. And I, now I currently hold the record at 586 catches a minute. That's almost 10 catches per second sustained for an entire minute. And this is when I thought seven was impossible. And, and I noticed you changed the angle of your hands when you went for your most recent record. There used to be like this side to side movement. And yeah. now there's this kind of like this, this like ones, ones like here dropping them in. Right. Yeah. So here's the cascade juggling pattern. In fact, there's two records now, the, the fastest juggling with the cascade, which mm-hmm. is what Guinness used to require. But then they allow this, what's called the shower pattern where it goes around in a circle. Yeah. When it goes around a circle, you can go through throw two balls at the same time. So this one's technically a little faster. So I, I currently oh. hold the so this is this is how I have 586 catches and then I have smaller balls and I gotta be warmed up for a bit going around a circle like that. And then I also still hold the record for the most juggling catches a minute with a three ball cascade at five hundred and two catches in one minute. So still substantially faster than I had before. Hey, um uh one one time I was looking up I I, I was to, to prove a point, I looked up this there, there's probably some name for this curve that you know it being that you went to MIT, but I looked up the, the, the curve for people who could juggle three balls and then four balls and then five balls and then six balls. And you just watch that number just drop every time you, you add a ball and it's crazy. And then you start getting to that upper top end of how many balls, you know, for the world record for most balls. And it's just like one person, one person, one person. I mean, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an exponential decay curve. Um, on average, you know, learning how to juggle might take three balls might take on average about an hour. It could take, you know, a week or, uh, but e- adding each ball becomes about 10 times as hard. So if it takes an hour of practice, to learn three, it'll probably take you 10 hours to learn four. And so there's a lot of people that know there are tons of people that juggle three, quite a few that can juggle four that maybe spent that 10 hours. The number of spent the hundred hours to learn how to juggle five is just virtually nothing. And then six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 is the most that have ever been, 11 balls is the most that's ever been juggled. Um, 
And oh, and so, I thought yeah. it went up to like 15. That makes me feel better because I saw I saw that and I'm like, how can that be? Okay, I must have been looking at it wrong. So there's so juggled is qualifying juggling. You have to have twice as many catches as you have objects. So oh, juggle wow. 11 balls, you need to have 22 catches. Now, I believe there's the most ever flashed is means you throw all the balls up once and you catch them all is 14. Alex Barrett is the one who's done that. And so he's thrown 14 balls in the air individually and caught all 14 of them. And, and so 14 is the most of the flash. There might have been – I think that's the most for anything. That's incredible. Um, what do you eat, David? Have you changed your diet over the years? Yeah, no, I'm I'm not a particularly amazing, a great eater. When I was growing up, I didn't really have a sense of like refined foods are bad for you, sugar bad for you. And I'm, I've got some weaknesses. Like I'm a sweet tooth and I like diet soda. So those are my two main vices right now. But for the most part, I try to eat a relatively high protein diet, lots of fruits and vegetables. Uh, but, you know, for morning, I, I really like my cinnamon toast punch and Lucky Charms, but I put protein oh, milk in it instead of the standard stuff. Oh, you're killing me. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say something crazy here to you. Um, your skin has gotten like, like there's some, vi- you're, you, you look like you're on the carnivore diet. Your skin is impeccable compared to where it was like five years ago. Some of the videos I've seen, I'm like, oh, this guy's got some sort of like, um, uh, uh, like Paul Saldino, Dr. Paul Saldino. I had him on the show. He had a uh, shit. What is it? I forget what it is, but he had some it, where his skin would get really red and peely. And then he switched yeah. to the carnivore diet and went away. I mean, your skin looks amazing right now. Yeah, I don't know about that. It might be the filter on the video, but. Um, All right. You uh, didn't change your diet. You're not a carnivore guy now. I'm not, no, I wouldn't call myself a carnivore. I do have a higher protein diet right now. Like I took my collagen powder this morning and I, and I make sure to get plenty of protein in my diet because I find that helps me maintain my, um, you know, fitness level a little bit higher. And, and, you know, last year before last, like in October of 2020. I, I did my longest Guinness World Record every year. I did the furthest distance traveled on foot while juggling. And you got to be juggling the entire time. You got to be moving forward the entire time. And then what really threw me for a loop is Guinness says, nobody can feed you food or water. And I'm like, eczema, well, eczema. Run. Thank you, Melissa. Eczema. Yeah. You used to have <laughs> eczema. You don't got it anymore. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> nice. So I'm like, well, I, um, so I, so I got to carry, I can only run about 15 miles without food or water. So I had to wear a camelback with me, stick in my mouth, get some, you know, electrolyte drink in there to keep going. And I ran 29 miles straight while juggling. And after about five and a half hours, I finally dropped the ball, which ended the attempt. Um, and then a year ago, I had my uh, appendix out. I had appendicitis and then some infections after that. So it knocked off my fitness levels dramatically. And so the last several months, I've been trying to get back in shape. I'm going after some running, fastest mile, fastest 100 records this week, 100 meter dash records this year. Wow. And so I'm doing sprints and, and trying to get back in shape. And so I've, um, I've been working hard at that. And so I'm trying to eat a little healthier. And <laughs> I started on Christmas Eve, I started a new workout re- regimen of every day. I'm going to do 50 pushups and sit-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then every day I increase that number by five. Oh. And so yesterday was 425 pushups and 425 sit-ups and today's 430. Dude, you look great. Congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, do you have kids? Yeah, I do. I've got a three and a five-year-old boys. And they're a ton of fun. Yeah, I have two five-year-olds and a seven-year-old, and I and I and I I just can't get enough of them. I just want to just party them. You must be. Are they fascinated by dad? Are they figuring out what dad's doing? Are they tripping? Not really. I mean, they have fun with me. I mean, they'll they'll juggle with me and they'll do keep you up and they want to bounce on the pogo sticks and the balance boards and they play with all the toys. But they have no idea. I mean, they think the Guinness World Record is my, logo is my logo. They'll see, hey, dad, there's their logo. 
but they have no idea <laughs> that a Guinness World Record is supposedly this mystical, cool thing that people do. They just think it's part of life. Um, are you um, uh, disgusted by the soft sciences at all? You, no one's listening. Let's just talk me and you. There's science. There, there's physics. There's biology. There's these real hard sciences. There's like four of them. There's math. And then there's all this, my words, not yours, horse shit out there. Does do it, 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 they kind of um um do, do they bother you at all? Uh, sociology um, sociology majors. So I don't know. They don't. They certainly don't bother me. There's a place okay. for them, and there's a lot of nuance. Okay. You're a good dude. In, in understanding. What, now here's the here's the deal. So one of the ones that fascinates me the most is actually psychology, because mm. it's, it, you might consider it a soft science. It's not hard and fast rules because it's how the brain works and how people think and. It, it's not the same. It's not repeatable and the same in every person every time. But statistically, you can draw bell curves about how this percentage of these people, this percentage of people are going to react this way, this percentage are going to react this way, and this percent react this way. I can't tell you how indie, each individual person reacts, but I can tell you on a whole, this is how people are going to react to a situation. And so, psychology about how people have a, uh, you know, a, I'm just trying to come up with an example of, you know, fear, like, Hey, when you're in a fearful situation and you meet a cute girl, um, your heart rate increases, you start perspiring, your hands get sweaty, and they did a study on the Capilano Suspension Bridge in, in um, Canada, which is the tallest suspension bridge in North America, maybe the world. And they and they did a study where they had this girl give these people, uh, they met them on the bridge and gave them, my name's Ashley, here's the phone number, call me. And then that same girl said, my name's Emily, here's my phone number, call me. Same phone number, different name, at a different place in the park. And what happened is the guys that they met on the bridge called back way more often than the guys she met off the bridge. And the guys were like thinking, hey, my, my heart rate's increased. I've got perspiration. And they're attributing it to this girl they're meeting on the bridge who's cute. And so they call back thinking, I must be attracted to this girl. But your body can't distinguish those physical reactions from um, being on a, from a cute girl or, or, or um, being scared because you're on a bridge. And it's called the misattribution error. You misattribute your attraction to this girl because – you're having the physical symptoms of it. And those are the sorts of things that kind of just absolutely fascinate me. And there's tons of examples of in psychology about people and the way they think and how they treat people. And, you know, if you, if you tell a student, you break a student, you know, the, the class experiments, you can't run anymore, but tell half the class you're dumb and your people are smart. The dumb people will start believing they're dumb and the smart will believe they're yeah. smart. And yeah. it's all psychology. Yeah. You tell people they're sick and they'll start believing they're sick. You tell so there's people there's something to be afraid of. And they'll be afraid of it, even if there's not. It is a very we're, we're seeing one of the most fascinating experiences unfold right before our very eyes today. Um, uh, does he have? Uh, uh, no, I wonder what his fan time is. No, wrong one. Uh, does he have an, an Instagram? Um, so I try. It takes a little while to get a hold of David Rush if you use Instagram. He's kind of he's not. <laughs> why aren't you a big Instagram guy? It seems like breaking world records is made for that platform. So my, my, my problem is I didn't have uh, notifications set for Instagram. I run all my social media channels and my, I have a full-time job. I am a product manager, technology company and breaking records as a side hobby. And so I do that. I spend time on it, but um, on Instagram, I didn't have notifications. So I had all these messages backed up from people requesting, Hey, can you have me on the show? Or I want to do an interview or I want to say hi. And I didn't see any of them. So my, my Instagram is David Rush speaker, I believe. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can. If I can, yeah, my website's David Rush for stem.com, David Rush for stem.com. And then there's a pop up on my website that has all my, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, does that look right? I look, I changed your name. Does that look right? 
Yeah, that's my Instagram handle. Bam. There we go. Uh, when you were doing the slowest juggling, your heartbeat went up to 185. Mm-hmm. For, for uh, the slow, will, will you explain to people what the, what the slowest juggling is? That one minute record that was fascinating to me. That your heart rate went up like that. That looked that looks really hard. By the way, that looks really yeah, so, really really hard. Yeah. So we talked about the world's fastest juggling, the most juggling catches a minute. The flip side of that is the world's slowest juggling, the fewest juggling catches in a minute. And the obvious loophole everybody thinks about is, well, don't juggle. No, you got to be juggling the entire time, which means you got to have three balls and one of them in the air at all times, and a second one in the air. As um, as you're juggling, and to do that, obviously the, there's two main components of it. One is you got to throw the ball as high as you possibly can. And so when I broke it, I did it at the Boise State Blue Turf, the football field. Yeah, it's um, a cool video nice, by wide the way. Open space. Yeah. Very cool video. And and I was throwing the balls about one and a half times the height of the field goal posts. So throwing the balls as high as you possibly can, and it's got to be accurate because it's pretty much straight up because even, you know, one or two degrees off, you got to take a couple steps to get back into position, catch it about four or five, six degrees off. You're running off the, the field and it's impossible to catch. So run it, throw it as high as you can possibly straight up. And then the second piece is you got to maximize the um, uh, unique hang time of each ball, which means you have to wait until the last possible moment when this ball is coming down before you throw the next one. And so throw a ball as high as you can, wait till the last possible moment, throw this ball up at the same time. The speed differential then between my hand and the ball coming down is about 70 miles an hour. And then absorbing those 70 miles an hour to get it to zero as smoothly as possible so I don't get a bruise. And so I was able to do that. I got down to 22 catches in a minute, which is about three seconds of hang time per ball. And I'm jumping one, throwing, I'm getting my whole body into it. And so physically exertion, it's, it's and more grunting. Than- You're grunting. <laughs> You grunt. I mean, just, it yeah. was absolutely, absolutely exhausting. And my resting heart rate as a runner is about 50 beats per minute. And by the end of the minute, well, the slow juggling, it gets up to about 180 beats per minute. It's just off the charts. Absolute exhaustion. And, and it's one of my favorite records to practice because I've got so much exercise in it. Um, but I haven't, I haven't practiced that one in a while now. At the minute mark, are you ready to tap? Is, is it, is it like sprint? Is it like running a 400 full speed? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe 95% of 400. It's yeah. not quite that of physically exerting, but yeah, I'm, I definitely, at the end of the minute, I collapse, I'm laying down, I'm, I'm taking deep breaths. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned in one, I, I don't know if I, re- I think I read this somewhere, but it, you alluded to the fact that, um, you found some balls that you weren't allergic to, but that, but then that was it. I'm like, wait, what, what did he just say? He's he was allergic to some of these balls. Yeah, so they're they're professionally made juggling balls. And when mm-hmm. I was growing up, most of them – actually, I didn't have professional juggling balls until I was in college. But all the good ones are filled with millet, which is a seed. And it's a nice fine – it grinds in a nice fine powder. It makes for well-weighted balls that you can get into beanbag circles like this that squish well that maintain their form. And most juggling balls are made with millet. And in college, I that's when I got serious into juggling. I'd known how to juggle since I was eight. Took a juggling PE class at MIT. Got addicted to it. Started the juggling. You club took a what juggling. class at MIT? A juggling PE class. <laughs> so PE is required at MIT, but it's not for credit. You just have to take the classes. So you got to take four that, PE classes. That class I think was I twelve thousand dollars. Twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, it doesn't even count for credit. I took probably twenty okay. PE classes in college, but I, I got into it. I was like, I love this. This is so much fun. And so I, I started a club so we could like get 
student money to buy equipment and bring in big name performers and put on events. I learned more from the administration of the juggling club than I did a lot of my classes. And I use a lot of those skills now more than I do other things. But um, over college, I developed an allergy to millet, my juggling balls. And so by the end of college, I would pick up the juggling balls. And, you know, within 10 or 15 minutes, I was just sneezing, runny nose. And so I, I gave up juggling for years after college. I moved away from Boston back to Boise. There's not a juggling scene here. It's, a, it's actually kind of a social activity. You get together, you pass, you chat. Um, but um, allergic, allergic. I'm, I'm allergic. And so um, you found a new bean. You found a new. So, so I stopped juggling and I'd only do performances here in Boise. I'd, you know, give a talk to promote STEM education, use juggling to keep it interesting. But then I went on a cruise, a Disney cruise, and I met a, a professional juggler. His name was Niels Dunkier, and I introduced myself. And this is the time I was i was just thinking about breaking a Guinness World Record, and he held four of them. And I was like, hey, I want to break a world record, and I was talking to him. And and the other thing I did when I traveled to New Zealand, um, they took out my juggling balls. And I'm like, oh, yeah, those are just my juggling balls. They get inspected all the time in x-ray. And the gal says, hey, are these filled with a seed called millet? And she takes out the pocket knife, and I'm like, Oh shoot, they are. And New Zealand's really strict about their bio, you know, hazards entering the country. And it's a seed, so you can't take seeds in. So I had to leave my juggling balls in a biocontagion hazard in New Zealand while I toured around. And so Neil's Dunkier is like, yeah, I use these. Um, these uh, these are filled with a plastic bead, and you can travel internationally with them. You don't have to worry about customs. I was like, well, that's really interesting. So I bought these new juggling balls that are filled with a plastic seed. They're still weighted great. They feel awesome. And and that's when I got back into juggling on a regular basis. And started juggling, you know, uh, for practicing for longest duration juggling, juggled, for, uh, joggled for a few thousand miles and, and got joggled. back into breaking me. Did you coin that? Records. Joggled? Did you coin that? No, no. Uh, there's a, there's a sub scene of a few thousand of us jogglers that run while juggling. Juggling is a portmanteau of jogging and juggling. I, I appreciate you. I, I am a um, notorious interrupter and you are um and you are a man of 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 immense focus and i appreciate you um dealing with my interrupting and then continue your stories sevon is not allergic to any kind of balls well thank you bruce that is correct i am a, uh i'm not actually a ball aficionado but there i have yet to be uh um do you get a lot of ball jokes in did the jugglers you know, do a lot of ball a, testicle jokes a, as a juggler i i have never told a ball joke, <laughs> <laughs> but I've you've heard, heard a lot. lot. I don't, <laughs> you've heard a lot. I, you know, I was, uh, I, I'm big into CrossFit and I was, uh, when, when I got into CrossFit in 2006, um, I, I didn't know anything about the Olympic lifts and they got all, they got one called the snatch and one called the jerk. And, and uh, even though I was 34 years old, I was like, I was, felt like I was seven again. I would chuckle every time that, that anyone would say those words. Um, uh, here's a, uh, a, a science a science question for you. When you drank the lemon juice, when you were – by the way, that was a great video. Um, first, I thought oh, like, like, I, like I give a shit, but, but the best part about that video was you reported every hour about the symptoms, and I really liked that. And at the, at the – I think after a day, after like 20 hours or 24 hours, you still reported to the camera about some of the symptoms of drinking all of that lemon juice, and I was really liking that. And one of the things you said is my teeth are a little bit sensitive. And I was wondering if that is that um, is that from the the lemon juice passing through your mouth, or is that like something happened? And I'm using this word not knowing the definition of it really. Is that something that happens systemically? Like, is it 
Do, do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, no, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I have a suspicion that the primary um, reason they're sore is because when it's passing through the mouth, the, the lemon juice gets on the teeth themselves, and um, you know, does something to the enamel and makes them sensitive. And so I, I notice that when I have a lot of, you know, uh, highly acidic foods, my teeth can get a little bit sensitive. Um, and then, and and I don't think it was systemic, but I probably was bur- burping up some more acidic saliva at that right. point. And because the lemon juice was in my mouth, more acid was when it was in my mouth. Um, excuse me, the lemon juice in my stomach, so I had more acid in my mouth, so the acidity was increased, which increased my teeth sensitivity. That's my suspicion. Right. Okay. All right. I like that. I'm going to go with and that. And I, I don't like eating records or like the mass eating records like lemon juice and lemon juice. I did not enjoy those at all. But I was trying to, you know, have this growth mindset, branch out. I'm going to try something new. Um, and so that was better. So I, the eating records I do like is like the most most peas eaten with a toothpick in 30 seconds. Way more fun. Yeah. 30 seconds. I mean, after 49 peas, it's not like I'm stuffed uh, to the brim. I love well, when I was a kid, I loved um, eating frozen peas as a snack when I watched like Scooby-Doo. Did you like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did I you mean, like eating frozen I, peas? I, you know, I don't, I don't do frozen peas eat. I always put them in the microwave and put a little salt and butter on them. Oh, that's good too. That's good too. Do you know Leah um, Shutkeever? Oh, the Guinness record breaker, the eater. She, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've seen a lot yeah. of her videos. She was on the show. Cool. Cool gal, man. That is an ambitious woman. That is a, that is a very focused, ambitious woman. And, uh, but, it, but you're right. The thing she does, it, it is, it is painful to watch. Yeah. And, and you can train your stomach to like expand it. So it, it doesn't get affected by having mass amounts of food in it. Just like any, uh, like training for muscles or stretching or, you know, getting your body more flexible. The stomach is something you can train as well. So it wouldn't be as painful. Like, um, Andre Ortoff, another super record breaker out of Germany who I've met, has trained his stomach so he can eat mass quantities of food. And he broke, he broke, he he took the lemon juice and lime juice drinking record from me, and he broke both of those in the same day. And I, I the the thought of me doing that was just it was like that doesn't seem possible because I haven't trained my stomach to be able to handle it. Wait, he drove he drank the most lemon juice and then later on the day the most lime juice in in the yeah, same day. With, the fastest time to drink a liter through a straw of lemon juice and the fastest time to drink a liter of lime juice through a straw. Oh and, my goodness. And you know, I was reporting after 24 hours, still not feeling great from doing one of the two, If I'd done both of them. My stomach would have exploded. Yeah. That's insane. Hey, did you cut the top of the straw at an angle like this? I didn't. That's the way it came. Oh, interesting. Okay. I thought I was like spotting your technique. Yeah, I know. I, th- I thought I was. I thought I was. Uh, well, um, what frame rate are you filming at? Are you? Are you? Have you turned into kind of a bit of a film geek? Also, I'm. I'm not really a film geek. I don't. Uh, for most of my records, I they're not super fast. So if I'm doing a long one, I'll drop it to thirty frames a second just to save video space. But if I'm doing most of them, I'll do a sixty. But if I'm doing like a really fast one that's short, like world's fastest juggling, I'll often do you know one twenty or two forty just so I've got better slow motion footage. And, and, and the one with the slowest juggle in the world, did you shoot that at 4k? Because the video on YouTube, you really, you really kind of have to, even though I, I like the filming of it and I like the video a lot, you, you do have to take for granted that there's a ball in the air, even when I blew it up to a, a big screen on a TV. So that, that was one of the first records I broke. I mean, it was one of the first 10 records I broke. And at that point I did not have GoPros or fancy equipment or I was using, you know, borrowed cameras and people holding it with their hands. And so the footage on that record is probably the worst footage I have of any of my records because I, j- I didn't have the equipment for it. 
Um, ha- has there been a record that you broke that didn't get filmed that you were unable to repeat? Is there a record you're like, yeah, I have that record, but just no one knows it? Um, I, I don't know about the filming. I've had I've had a number of records that have been disqualified by Guinness for various reasons, um, and some of the reasons I I disagree with. Um, like 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 you like you like you failed the steroid test or something, or you were on methamphetamines or. No, I mean, I'll give you an example. So one of the yeah, times it was, it was for the longest, uh, it was the furthest distance walked balancing a lawnmower in the gym. And I contact him and it was, there's a powered category, non-powered category, powered category. The lawnmower has got to be running the non-powered category, obviously not running. And so I, I contact him and say, Hey, for the non-powered one, can I use a, a, a lawnmower with an engine that's just off? And they responded back. Yep. It's fine. You can use any type of lawnmower so long as the engine's off. That's fine. So I break the record. I submit the video, and they're like, "Yeah, we're going to disqualify this because you use a powered lawnmower that was off." And I was like, "Oh, you told me I could." Um, and so wait, 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 wait. What, what, I, the, this one's this, this. I'm confused. What other kind of non-powered lawnmower is there? You know the push kind with the with the blades oh, to spin. Oh, yeah. that's crazy! Come on. So I mean, so how did I, they? Ha- I, I understand the mistake, but it's not like it, your, yours must have even been harder. It must have been heavier. Yeah, it was. And and since then, I've purchased a non, another non-powered lawnmower, and I've broken that record. So I do currently hold that record, but at the time, it was disqualified, and I was a little disgruntled by it. All right. I, I understand. That's that's. Uh, have you been ha- – what, what's the most serious injury you've um, you've gotten? Um. So m- – <laughs> about injury but you know i've had like meningitis and shingles and my appendix out those are all things you don't normally have by 37 no. um, i don't think any of them were record related um, in terms of actually breaking Good. records or practicing yeah. them I, yeah. I don't have that many injuries because i'm focused i've had a number of other injuries but not usually for breaking or practicing a record i mean i've, I've cut myself a few times um that's good that's but good the, okay so the worst injury was actually before i ever broke a record and it was a running-related injury because the first record I ever broke was 2015, and it was for longest duration blindfolded juggling. But before that, I was I trained for two years because I was going to run the fastest 800 meters juggling. So that was the record I'd said, I'm going to break a Guinness World Record. I'm going to create this tangible example that you can have a growth mindset and do anything. And so I trained to become the fastest half-mile runner while juggling. And I ran, trained for about two years. I ran 2,000 miles. Short runs, long runs, wind sprints, time trials. I'd run until my legs burned and my lungs were on fire. And I kept running more because I was going to break this world record. And then about at the end of that two years, though, I went on one last run and I hurt my knee. And it, it didn't feel, it felt a little bit off. It was a little bit painful. So I took a day off and then tried running again. It hurt. So I'd take more time off. A week, day became a week. A week was a month. Went and got x-rays. Went and got a second opinion. Went to the MRI. And they could not figure out what's going on with my knee. And it, it was literally a year and a half before I'd be able to run hard again. And at that point, I've decided, okay, I've spent two years of my life training to break a Guinness World Records title. I'd give it a yeah. college try. Heck, I could have had an associate's degree after two years, and I have a choice. Do yeah. I give up? Or, or do I keep pursuing this dream of breaking a Guinness World Record, even though it looks a little bit different? And that's when I transitioned to practicing for longest duration blindfolded juggling. I couldn't, I couldn't run anymore, but I just spent a couple hundred hours doing a basic three-ball cascade. I practice so much I could literally run and juggle with my eyes closed and hold records for doing that as well. And so I practiced for a few more months for longest duration blindfolded juggling in October 2015. I juggled for six minutes and 34 seconds 
breaking my first Guinness World Records title. Um, Man, how's your knee now? So my knee has issues still, but I have I've I went through some pretty intense physical um, therapy, you know, ice baths and stem treatments and electrotherapy and rubbing it out. And now on a regular basis, I've got one of those you know Thera guns, you know, I knock it to keep my IT band loose. So if I can keep my IT band loose. I can mostly avoid uh, chronic pain, but it, it still hurts. And so I have to be, I have to use it five times a week these days. Do you know the, um, do you know about the knees over toes guy? I think I've heard this, but I'm not, I, I, I may have seen it, but I don't know much about him. Yeah. You got to check him out. People like swear by his shit. Like they love him. Do you do any walk backwards walking? Um, just as a gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ch- check him out. I think you will really, really like him. Hey, hey, um, he, this guy's really onto something. I think he was on Ro- Joe Rogan also that podcast, but he has an Instagram account and I think you'll be inspired by it. He does some really cool stuff. He's just all about knees, 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 knees. And, hmm. and, and I think he has a meticulous diet too. You can't be eating. Li- David, you, I mean, I, I say this with, um, I mean, you're, a, you're a professional athlete. You can't be eating lucky charms in the morning. You're an old man. Now you're 37. You, 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 <laughs> get, gotta, you can't be eating anything that causes inflammation in that knee. You're, you're, I don't want to say you're a national treasure, but you're getting there. Um, you, you did the Huckabee show. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, a little over about two and a half years ago, Huckabee had me fly out and come on the show there. And I thought he was, was like, like some political guy. I didn't know he, like, he, he does everything. That show does everything. I've never seen his show, but wasn't he like Speaker of the House? Wasn't he a congressman or a governor? What was that guy? What is that guy's claim to fame? So he, I mean, he was the governor of Arkansas and then he ran for president. Right. He was in the Republican primary. And so now he's got a show called the Huckabee show and his, you know, daughter was obviously, you know, worked in politics as well. Right. Oh yeah. 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 She was, uh, for Trump, she was the, uh, yeah. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Was she the communication gal? Yeah. She was vicious. She was good. That girl held her own. I was actually, I was, I was actually impressed with her. That's a tough job. Would you want that job? No. I don't, no. I don't like that kind of controversy. <laughs> <laughs> I like talking about things where I can get along with people across the political spectrum. You're a good dude. You seem like that. Um, so you go on the Huckabee show and the world record is to balance 13 chairs. Is that correct? I think the current record at the time was there was 11 chairs balanced on the chin. So it was the most chairs balanced in the chin. You got to yeah. put them on the chair chin and then hold them there for 10 seconds. So you were going to do 12 but these guys, when you get there, there's 15 chairs, or at least that's the way you made it sound, and you just went for all 15. Was that planned? Was that just part of the gimmick of the shtick, or did you literally just be like, all right, screw it, just pile on an extra three chairs? Um, it was it was a little bit of both. I was like, okay, I knew we were going to have 15 chairs, and I think I actually started with 15 chairs in the show, but I, I balanced them there, and I think I made like six or seven seconds the first attempt, and the second yep. second attempt was like eight seconds, and so – I was taking off a couple of chairs thinking, okay, I'm going to take off a couple of chairs. I can still break the record. And then I realized the heck with this. I, I am taking off two chairs. Isn't going to make me balance the last two seconds. I just got to focus and, and make sure I don't get nervous doing this. So I put the two pair chairs back on and the audience was obviously supportive. And I put the chairs on my chin and kept them there for 10 and a half seconds. So I got all 15. And you did it. Yeah. Um, the spotters, are those just dudes? Are those Huckabee dudes? Or are those your dudes? Those were Huckabee uh, crew, and and do you coach them ahead of time for the? So basically, what's happening is he's got his he's. By the way, those guys are standing too close to you. 
I need to go with you. I need to be, you need, you need me to just be on the road with you. Be like, gentlemen, stand back. If those would have fallen off, I mean, uh, Huckabee's not an agile man. He, he's the size of three or four men. Um, and he's standing close to you. He's not paying full attention. He's got a little bit of metabolic uh, um, derangement from his, from his diet. One of his eyes isn't doing the same thing as his other eye. That's from eating too much Lucky Charms. And he's standing too close. Do you, do, you, do you notice that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like if those chairs would have toppled off, he'd be to- – that guy's toast. Yeah, I, I, think, I think Huckabee wasn't standing too close, but the two spotters were there to help catch the chairs in case they fall off my chair. They were but- slow on the gun. They were slow on the gun. Yeah, I mean, they were all, they were, to be honest, they were there for as much for show as they were for safety. It, you know, the more dangerous it looks, I mean, it, it, the worst thing that really could happen is they could fall off, somebody gets a bruise, and I break some chairs. All right, for show. All right, all right. I, I won't be so critical. Um, Mark, um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg um, stole Facebook from the Winklevoss brothers, according to, as as the story goes. Um, but uh, but both, I think both of them, their intention, the Winklevoss, Winkle, Winklevi, the Winklevoss brothers, Winklevoss twins, yeah, Winklevoss twins. Um, they and Mark Zuckerberg made um, uh, Facebook to get girls. And uh, speaking of psychology, I believe that pretty much everything that men do is some sort of a mating strategy so there's those guys who like carry a boom box around with them that's a mating strategy there's the guys who have the cars the low riders that's a mating strategy there's the guys that go get their um stanford mba mating strategy um this juggling thing is this a um uh, is this a mating uh, uh, and Patrick bed, David, a multimillionaire, hundred millionaire, just bought a $20 million home cash. Like he, 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 one of the things he did is he to, to motivate himself to make his first million dollars. He said he was going to abstain for sex until he made his first million dollars. Took him 17 months. Um, is this juggling thing? Uh, how, how does that fall under this category? This this thought of psychology where you're like, I'm going to juggle eight balls and I'm going to get girls. So let me let me let you and all your readers and our <laughs> listeners here on a little secret here. Uh, if your goal is to get girls, don't go into juggling. <laughs> Not the way to do it. <laughs> my my wife is awesome. We met at MIT. She's a mechanical engineer. Works at you know HP, working on laser jet printers. She's is your wife smart as shit? Is she smart? She as shit? she is. She is. is she a critical thinker smart. too. Is she? Is she? Is she so she didn't think too critically because she was able to at least look past my juggling and see, okay, there's other things beyond this guy that I like. We'll, we'll take him even though he juggles. <laughs> so, so um, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a, under this kind of like theory of thought, it's a misplaced use of male energy juggling. I mean, there, there must be like, uh, have you done any research and you're like, well, the Ukrainian warriors did this in order to conquer villages and get the women or, or the Maasai did this in order. Like, is there any, like, do you got any, like, um, no, what's that called and, folklore where you can be like, this is some real man shit I'm doing over here. <laughs> no. And there's, there's plenty of gals that juggle as well. And, uh, you know, I founded the juggling club at MIT, but my co-founder was a female. And so we had a, a mix of people there. We just liked hanging out having fun, a bit of a quick quirky personalities, but I don't know that there's anybody at MIT that doesn't have at least a little bit of a quirky personality. And then yeah. you, you mentioned Facebook. I got a little story here. Please. My, my friend, I was at, I was at MIT and I went and started in 2003. And, you know, Facebook was started in 2004 and it actually started as, you know, Hot or Not was the name of the uh, little app that Zuckerberg created about, you know, scraping. He got in trouble because he actually um, illicitly downloaded the images from all the class 
or the houses that people lived in. And yeah. then he used those images to put two two faces up. You pick which one's hot or not. And then he almost got kicked out of Harvard for it. And, right. the, and the funny thing is my, my roommate in my freshman year, his brother was sweet mates with Mark Zuckerberg and actually almost got kicked out of school with Mark Zuckerberg because of that hot or not app. Your brother? And so when my, my roommate's brother. Oh, okay. So my room, I was a roommate at MIT. My roommate, basically his roommate was Mark Zuckerberg or his brother's roommate was Mark Zuckerberg. So I'm uh, one, one degree of separation. So when um, Zuckerberg started Facebook, my roommate's dad was telling him, don't get involved in that. You almost got kicked out of Harvard. And then we wrote a book about it. It was like called the billion dollar mistake. And at this point it'd be worth, you know, the $10 billion mistake. Um, but uh, so I, I was one of the first people on Facebook back in the day because MIT was the 10th school that was allowed on, you know, it started at Harvard and then went around the Ivy leagues. And so Facebook for me, when it first started, it was just this social thing that I did. And all my friends were MIT, maybe a few at Harvard. And then it spread down the East coast and across West. And so when I, my first time I saw a friend from high school on Facebook, I'm like, wow, this thing has grown. It's gotten big. And so that was a, a pretty interesting experience for me. Yeah. Um, small world. Yeah. Hey, um, g g uh, what is the ratio of men to women in juggling? Is it like, is it like low riders? Like there's just no girls doing it. Like I never see any girls riding low riders. Yeah, I don't, I, I couldn't tell you the ratio, but it's, it's probably over, you know, obviously over 50% at the MIG juggling club. Wait a maybe, second. What do you mean over 50%? You mean like over 90% men? I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was that much at MIT. It was probably, you know, 60, 40, 70, 30, somewhere in there. I personally am racking my brain right now. Now, now I'm not big in the juggling scene. You know, I'm just like walk by Pier 39 in San Francisco or like, you know, like my kids play tennis a lot. So I, I'm around a lot of balls, but um, I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen a woman even attempt to juggle. I can't, I can't pick, I'm 49 years old. I can't picture ever. I'm sure I could Google juggling women and it would just, it would rain, it would rain down juggling women. <laughs> no, I, there, there, there are a lot in MIT and actually MIT makes a concerted effort to, you know, build up both the uh, genders and, and give them a so, uh, 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 so. uh, Mr. Rush sexes. Oh, build up both sexes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, just checking. All right. And then, um, sorry, sorry. I, so, I'm, so, I'm, so I'm really, I'm really particular about words. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so the ratio is I think 55, 45 men to women at MIT. And so versus like Caltech, which has a much more skewed ratio. And so I was, I was surrounded by a lot of very smart women when I was going to college. And, uh, and the, and uh, frankly, the best thing I got at MIT was my wife. It was my, I, my favorite part. That is cool. I got my wife out of college too. Um, I, I, I wonder what that ratio is now because women are kind of taking over the college scene, aren't they? Every, every time I hear some stats, like worrying stats about the country, it's just that men, more women, well, the worrying stat isn't that women are taking over. It's that men are falling behind. Yeah. More, oh. In terms of enrollment at college, yeah, I believe there are more women that enroll in college than men. And um, the men enrolling is declining. Where, and so when I, when I, go ahead. Go so sorry, when go I, ahead. I promote STEM education and getting, you know, pursuing things that you're interested and passionate about and don't let, um, you know, difficulties or struggles stop you. And it's not necessarily all about a four-year engineering degree. I mean, there's tons of, you know, two-year two degrees, technical schools, trade schools, you know, learning how to repair a car. It's obviously very important. And there's tons of technical skills you can get even without a traditional four-year degree. So I'm not necessarily espousing college is the only way to go. You can go get, uh, you know, a two-year technical programming course to become a computer programmer, computer engineer. And those skills are going to be very valuable now and in the future. 
And computer programming is one of those skills that is super, super valuable today that anybody can learn with enough dedicated energy and effort. And there's lots of jobs you can get in that industry right now if you're looking to make a career change. Yeah, it seems like a lot. Of, uh, yeah, it seems like it's the future. Programming. I mean, if you, if you think about it, everything you basically everything you touch that runs on electricity that has power has some sort of computer chip inside of it today. Uh, it requires some sort of code to run, whether it be a light, a flashlight, a computer, your your refrigerator, your toaster. At this point, everything's got an integrated circuit. Everything requires code, and and that's not going to change anytime soon. It's just going to become more prevalent. Nuts. Hey, um, there's, there's, you talk about two different records, records that exist that you break and then creating new records. Tell me about that creating new records piece. Yeah. So most of the records I've broken, you know, the 210 or so, um, are existing records I found and somebody else broke them. The rules were already created. And then I just had to apply, get the rules, find out what they were and go practice and break a record. But Guinness also has a process where you can create new records titles. And on their website, GuinnessWorldRecords.com, they've got a definition of what makes a record. And it's got to be you know, specific. It's got to be breakable. It's got to be measurable. Uh, they don't want it to be location-specific. So you can't say, I'm the fastest person in Idaho. It's no, it's, you've got to be the fastest person in the world. Or, um, and, so, and it's got to be measurable, and it's got to be a non-arbitrary time. So it's like not the most darts popping balloons in 45 seconds. It's okay. We'll only measure that record for 30 seconds or a minute. And so you can create records on the website. And I've created a few, for example, the world's slowest juggling, the fewest juggling catches in a minute. It was tracked in the juggling community, but Guinness, it wasn't a record Guinness track, but since they had the world's most catches in a minute, it made sense to track the fewest catches in it. So I contacted Guinness, created an application, fewest juggling catches in a minute. I proposed some rules to them. They said, yep, that's something we'd be interested in tracking. So we will create this new records category for you. The minimum is set, I think, at 26 catches in a minute because that was the, the what the juggling community had tracked based on publicly available evidence. They said, you've got to get less than 26 catches in a minute, and we will recognize you as a Guinness World Records title holder. Yeah, that's a good one. That's brilliant. Oh, oh, oh. Do you think of that now every time there's a fastest, you're like, okay, what would the slowest look like? I mean, it, it seems like just like a smart thing, a way to go. Yeah, this, it, it, it doesn't really apply very well unless there's some limiting factor that makes slowest interesting. Uh, because, you know, gravity is the limiting factor for the world's slowest juggling. But if you're talking about the world's slowest 100-meter dash, that right. doesn't make sense because there's no right. limiting factor there. It right. makes it difficult. The candles. These hundred candles you put in your mouth. Yeah, um, most lit candles in the mouth. Yeah. Uh, is that is that scary? As that flame's getting bigger, I'm like, I mean, that's a lot of heat coming off there. Was that nuts? I mean, just a little bit. The uh, the bigger issue is all the beeswax that's dripping down because you got you got a hundred candles in the mouth that's sticking out. There's a big fire flame. Now, when I was breaking that record, I was in front of a live audience of a couple hundred people, so I got all the adrenaline, so I don't really feel the fear. But then there's just wax pouring down yeah. from the candles. <clears throat> that was kind of the coolest part about down. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was during a TEDx talk here in Boise, so I'd, I was like, I don't want to ruin the red dot, so I had a big piece of cardboard that it all fell onto and splattered around and. It was it was a little concerning, but the adrenaline kept me from being too afraid. And I'd done some practices, so I knew it was what was going to happen with a few less uh, candles. But uh, that record's been taken from me, so I, I've actually recently purchased candles and should be taking that one back soon. Do you get a gag reflex when you do that? The whole time you're putting those in, I'm, I, I feel like I would be gagging. 
or you don't just you just don't make sure that they don't go in far enough yeah they don't they don't go in far enough the bigger issue is just stretching the mouth out big enough to get all the candles in um and then making sure the the wicks are all the same length out of my mouth so they all light at the same time um now i'm working on the gag reflex i had the record for the most blueberries stuffed in the mouth uh-huh. and then coming back out then they have to come back out whole if they're smushed they don't count and that one i absolutely had to work on on the gag reflex and, and i'm coming up on my got to go to work here in a, a few seconds okay i uh one time i'll tell you this quick story and then i got one question for you last question yeah. one time i uh, uh, as a joke i tried to put this microphone in my mouth during the show and my jaw cramped it was <laughs> fucked up excuse me excuse my language all the last question and thank you so much david um and 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 and, and the most important part isn't the fact that you are uh breaking all these world records it's the fact that you're driving um the hard sciences which is i think is like people have completely lost their way because they don't know how to think anymore they don't know how to um, do risk assessment they don't understand numbers they don't understand relationships between numbers and they can't make any they can't contextualize or do anything with relativity anymore we're just driven by fear and it's it's a it's pathetic but um all of these records you break so like the candles and then like when you catch the 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 eggs with the chopsticks is there a shrine at your house that do you save that stuff is there like look these are the chopsticks and they're in a glass case and like do you have a room with all the shit that's saved from the records you broke these are the balls that were the slowest juggling so i don't have a room but i i do have a ton of materials that i've got all these records i'm practicing for and so my wife uh, created a shelf in the corner of the garage that says, this is where David's Guinness World Record supplies go. Yeah. I don't want them all over the house anymore. So I've got a, I've got a corner of the garage, just shelves to store the stuff. And if I'm actively practicing it, I've got another shelf in the living room of here's where the supplies go for active practicing. But if I'm not, she wants me to take it out of the garage so we can have a functional house. And you know, when people walk in, it, it looks like a normal house that people live in. doesn't look like an arts and crafts fair. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to run to work, but it's thank a pleasure. You. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. You take care. What do you guys think? What do you think? You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't switch gender and sex. You can't. You can't. The, 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 you can't. It, it's the problem. It's, it, it's, it's my hangup. You can't. I'm not, I'm not going to allow it. I think I said sorry too many times. I wish I wouldn't have said sorry too many times. Did you guys see the list of people I invited to the pre-show? I invited Rich. This this happens at 11 a.m. in uh, three hours. I invited Angelo DeChico. I, I wonder if I can bring it up here so we can look at the – I made this picture last night. Uh, let me see if I can bring it up. Go to the Sevon channel, your channel. Oh, here it is. Let me see. Look at this. <laughs> I would. I pretty much just invite anyone on the show. This is just going to be just like a just a party. I like. I got Angelo DeChico. That's a little. Uh, uh, that's not really accurate. He doesn't have that mustache anymore. I got Rich Froning. I got John Young. He's just. He's he's the more aggressive, more aggressive version of Brian Friend. I got Travis Mayer on the invite list. I got Dave Castro. You think Dave Castro is going to show up just to say hi? Jason Kalipa. That guy won the games like. Before there was electricity, James Hobart. Look at these guys, and then me. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people. Let me see. I I, I should probably text. Uh... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
We uh we will be on for an hour. Drop in any time. Come and go as you please. I'm texting uh Travis. He he said he's claiming he he claims he's watching the kids. I wonder if he is or he's just trying to find a way out. What's he doing? Uh, dun dun dun. Uh, oh, look at this. Look at this. We just got, uh, I just got a text message from Gabe over at uh, Paper Street Coffee. I probably shouldn't just read people's text messages out loud. Hey guys, I was thinking about doing a contest and giving away a free Paper Street Rogue barbell to your listeners. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the last contest I was supposed to give these away, I, I, I gave, I was supposed to give these away. Those of you who won them, I think two, I never mailed your, your prize. I suck. I, I, I make fun of Craig Ritchie for uh, clickbait. Well, I, 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 at least, at least, at least he he probably when he says he's going to send you guys a prize, he does. I didn't send any. I think it was a uh, was a lady and a dude. I think Logan Mars may have been the guy that won. I forget who the lady was. DM me again. Keep bugging me. If I don't send you your prize, keep bugging me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free barbell. That's what he says. I, I mean, that's not for cer- certain. He's just he's probably just brainstorming. He probably didn't want me to say that. That's a good dude, by the way, Paper Street Coffee. Oh, uh, the other sponsors, barbelljobs.com, barbelljobs.com, and California Hormones. Don't forget to uh, support them. Check them out. They make the show go round. Paper Street Coffee. This is the cup Gabe sent me. Uh, It's a Yeti cup. I'm assuming he ordered this from Yeti and had them put these stickers on it. But Yeti, maybe Gabe, you should ask for your money back because the stickers are, are falling off. Uh, 11 a.m. We will be partying with the big boys. I'm tempted to invite Colton Mertens. I wonder if he would talk if he came on the air. Wad's on me. Send me a bunch of stickers. Miss Danielle Brandon. I think he sells these on his website. I haven't been over there though. Jason Hooper. The machine. He's nicknaming people too. For those of you who don't know, I made up TDC, the Dave Castro. That was mine. Um, uh, Colton Mertens. I want to stick this on my microphone, but, but, um, but, but it's, it's not a CrossFit show. Uh, I got these other wads on. Oh, look at this one. The evening wipe down. I think this is to make fun of the morning chalk up morning chalk. God, how much better would it be if they changed the name to morning cock up? Does every man awake with an erection? Is that just, that's just, that's normal, right? If not, I need to see a doctor. Guys, I hope you love that. Um, it is, uh, I did not name, I did, I did not nickname Jason Hopper. Uh, no, I did not nickname him that, Eric, Jason Flopper. That was someone in the comments. I actually don't approve of that. Uh, um, I, I, I actually, it really upsets me that I think that that's actually even funny. So it's a guilty pleasure I have. I'm looking at my notes here. You guys want to see something interesting that I saw yesterday? Let me see if I can find it over here. I need to do a live call-in show. I'm starting my notes for the live call-in show are starting to get huge again. But I want to show you Instagram. Uh I want to go over here to the Dave Castro. Oh, the Dave Castro's Instagram. And I want to show you this. This is really weird. 
Share screen. This is Dave's Instagram. This is 13 hours ago. So this is, I'm assuming he went yesterday. Um, and, and if he comes on the show today, I'll send him a link. I, I Honestly, I, I have no idea if he's really going to come on or not. But hopefully he'll come on for a minute. I, he, he really likes uh, Rich. And I saw that um, Jason actually went out to the ranch the other day too to do some shooting with his son. So I'm guessing that him and Jason are talking. But this, there is no reason for Dave Castro to go to Palo Alto. If you guys don't know about Palo Alto, um, it is it is the mecca for everything money. It is the home of everything. It's it's where Apple is, Facebook. I mean, it's Netflix. It is uh, so. If Dave's going over there, I have to assume he's meeting with people with a shitload of money. So let me see what this says. I was in Palo Alto today. I stopped by CrossFit Palo Alto. Tim, the owner and a master's games athlete, has Greg Glassman's fitness in 100 words hanging prominently in the gym. Cool to see old school gym like this who still proudly support and give credit to what Greg created. There is, nothing Dave does is – um. It's not like me. Like I'm just like desperate to post shit. So if I see my kid like jump over like a wagon, I post it. He that, he he does not do that. I think everything he does is a clue. And for some reason, I don't think that this clue has anything to do with him visiting a CrossFit gym. Uh so um, it's just uh, I found that. Um, I called him just to. to to see what's going on. Hopefully he'll call me back and we'll find out. Uh, DB7 is an absolute animal. Hoping she challenges for the podium this year at the DEI games. Uh, D- uh, oh, Danielle Brandon 7. Why do you call her DB7? Why is it called that? Let me see. What's her sticker? What's that in reference to? I hope he visits. <laughs> bro, bro, bro. Susan, he ain't visiting your ass. Your ass is out in the sticks. Yours is where like the poor, the dudes only make 500 grand a year live in your hood. Susan, you... You you're you're in millionaire land. You ain't in billionaire land, boy. You ain't coming out there. You ain't coming out there. Come visit us. Uh it is it is weird. I'm telling you, it's it's weird. It's weird. It's it's weird. I hope whatever he does, he needs a media guy. I re- I really am the uh I really I've really gotten full of myself lately. I really am something special. What I did at CrossFit is just nuts. I've had time to reflect. I like what I see. I like what I see. All right, guys. David Rush was great today. Uh, We will be back in two hours and uh, 49 minutes. Uh, If you didn't watch the podcast from yesterday with uh, Patrick Bet David, you should watch that. The one today, actually, I thought was pretty cool, too. That dude's pretty cool. Um, Get a little squirrely when he misused the word sex and use gender. But, you know, no one's perfect. Well, almost no one. 